time before I say anything, uh, I'm glad it's not the older guy. His dad, Kirk Douglas, remember him? I said, Michael, now, if I sound like Michael Douglas now, do I look like him when he was younger? I think he's about my age, so that can't happen. Anyway, um, so I share that maybe a little bit of laughter because what I'm going to say next might not be so laughable or whatever. All right. So where do we go from here? Yes. Someone comes up to you in church and they say, God told me that we're to only sing hymns during the worship service. Someone who is a leader of the youth ministry approaches you and says, I've been praying, I've been praying about who is to lead our junior high and high school youth groups. And God told me that is to be you, Maria. (laughs) I know. I couldn't wait for that one. A pastor spends a few days in an isolated camp, a Christian camp or a retreat center, and praying and praying and praying about God's will for his church. When he received a revelation from God that they were to tear down the old church and replace it with a brand spanking new church and much larger facility. Another one of our brothers and sisters comes to you and they say, God told me that I'm to go into the mission field. I'm to quit my full-time job. And the church, the church must pay for all of my financial needs. What would be my response? My response would be this. Everything is possible with God. But in these situations, probably highly unlikely that they're really hearing the voice of God. The Bible is clear that we are not to blindly accept and affirm when somebody claims they have heard from God. We must be cautious. That's my point. We must be cautious. And many charismatic uh, fellowship churches, you know, Pentecostal churches, fall into some problems with, thus saith the Lord. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, we just need to be cautious when we hear, or we think we hear, this is actually God's voice speaking to us. So I don't want you to leave it thinking, oh, I'm, I'm a, no, no, God does speak to us. We just need to be cautious. And that is my first thought is to be cautious, and let's look at 1 John 4, 1 and 2. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. 
Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. John says, really, basically, don't believe everyone who claims to have a message from God. We're called to what? We're to test the spirit. Test if it's true. There's so many voices today coming in and out of our heads. We just need to be dead sure that it is of God. Now, throughout history, we've had many people who have claimed to have received special revelations of the mystery of Scripture. Ever heard of William Miller? Probably not. I just do that. I knew you didn't hear of him, but I'm I'm not sure. He was an American Baptist preacher. And through an extensive study of Scripture, I mean, this guy went through all sorts of sophisticated uh, scripture, study of it, graphs, everything else, charts. And the reason for that is he prophesied that Jesus was coming, returning in 1843. And then he fudged just a little bit and went to 1844. And during all this time when he was speaking and, and trying to convince people of Jesus returning again, tens of thousands of enthusiastic uh, followers just were just so excited about his teachings and the certainty of his revelations. Well, 1843 rolled around, no sign of Jesus' return. What happened? Of all those followers, after that, history tells us that they, the, the majority of them had left Christianity along with their hopes and their dreams. That's what can happen when we hear these things. And it could be very good intentions, but but if we, on a regular basis, let me just say this, if we continue to hear God's voice and it doesn't turn out the way we thought it should turn out, sooner or later it starts affecting the faith. We just need to be cautious and responsible when, when somebody gives, says, I have a nudge that God told me something, I, I will listen, but I listen with discernment. Are there any red flags I need to be aware of, etc.? Amen? Just be cautious. That's, that's, that's just it. Just be cautious. You know, John coined this during a day when there was a lot of false things going around in his time. Things over the incarnation, even, of Jesus. So we just need to be cautious. And where I really want to hone into this morning is number two, ways to prepare for God's voice. And the first one I want to look at is the Holy Spirit, 1 Corinthians 2, verses 10 and 11. Paul said, these are the things God has revealed to us by his Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows a Spirit's thoughts except their own Spirit within them? In the same way, Paul continues, in the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Friends, listen for the Holy Spirit. 
When we become Christians, we know that the Holy Spirit lives in us. And we also know that when the Holy Spirit lives in us, he gives us certain gifts, and we have the empowerment of God himself. That, and we need to understand that is, that is fact. Paul says the Spirit searches all things which are far beyond our human abilities because the Spirit knows God's thoughts. Do you hear what I said? The Spirit knows God's thoughts. The closer you are to God, the easier it will be to recognize his voice. Amen? The closer. That is, that is so, so true. And that's where I want to stay for a moment. I was, it's interesting that Mike Hand uh, sent, probably sent to all of us about the celebration of Kathy and Terry's, uh, the church, uh, Sanctuary Church, uh, 40 years ago. They, were, they had their celebration. And they brought back uh, Paul Weiss. Is that his name? Uh, Paul Weiss and Carla. They were the founding pastors. And I listened to that, and I listened to the testimonies and the stories told about that first Sunday when they opened up their doors. It was perhaps one of the coldest uh, went, uh, days in, the, uh, in history, like 30 below zero, whatever. And so they were sharing one story after another, and... and Kathy and Terry and, and their involvement in that, in that first church, that first Sunday, and, and on. And I was also struck by, as the pastor shared and his wife about their journey, they eventually became missionaries. And I, enjoy, I enjoyed the part where he was in his dark, cloudy days as well of his ministry when, I believe he said his words, then the Holy Spirit gave him a nudge. I think that, but that, well, I'll use that word, nudge, and convicted him uh, about his ministry, whatever. And I listened to that. I did not question that for one second. Because by listening to this pastor and his wife, both of them really are pastors, how much they love the Lord, how they followed Jesus faithfully all those years. They were close to God. They, they recognized his voice. In the good times and the hard times, they recognize it. That's what we need to be about, and I, I know many of you are. You understand what I'm saying is there's something about when you walk hand in hand with Jesus, you just, and you're in his word, you just recognize things. Things just come to you. You just know it. You just know it. It's kind of like maybe, I'm just throwing this out, uh, you know, when you're a parent, you know, then you have your children after a few years, you know, the children start to grow, whatever. They go, go through the different stages. Mom and dad know it. How many times have we heard my kids say, how did you know that? You know, they got in trouble. Well, how did you know that? How did you know that was going to happen? You just know it. You recognize it. You recognize things. That's what it is with, with, uh, with listening to God's voice. Then I'm going to move into pursue his peace. That's another way. Colossians 3, 15 and 16. Let the perfect peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you are called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. 
We are complex, aren't we? Made up of a variety of emotions, from passion to love to fear to anger to joy, hope, jealousy, honesty, just to name a few. When you ask Christ to help you control your emotions, guess what? His peace will rule your heart. It will rule your heart. Amen? And, well, I'm going to continue with that, with that thought. I know many of you understand that when you are going through some turmoil or trauma, that you can turn to your God. You can ask Jesus for his peace that surpasses all understanding. Being a, I've shared a little bit of this, being a, a pastor, my first, you know, three churches, whatever, I was just a really young guy. I mean, I was really young. And, um, but I had to learn something really quick. And pastors, I think, have to learn this as a, as a rule. I can only speak for myself. But when you, when you have someone, you get to know your people. And you grow to love them in so many different ways. So when they go through their trauma, or if they do, then you have to be able to monitor and govern your own emotions in that process. It took me a very short period of time to learn this. When I had a prisoner in the hospital in a very bad situation to be able to maintain control. And sometimes that's hard to do when you really love people when you see their families going through turmoil. I cannot tell you. It seemed I was saying, God, is this my ministry? It seemed like I was doing a funeral every week or somebody's gravely in the hospital. But I think God was just preparing me for ministry. And pastors go through, through this all the time. But my goodness, you know, I was with a family and their loved one was on life support. And they wanted me there with them. So I prayed, God, give me, help me to control my emotions. Help me to just use me how you want to use me. And to watch a family as they pull the plug, so to speak, watch that those monitors and the loved one just passes away. And you're dealing with emotions. This applies in every area of your life and my life. We all go through anxious moments. All of us do. How do you overcome anxiety? I'll give you, I won't give you, I won't give you outside books. I'll give you one book, the Bible. None of us are perfect, but I'm telling you, this works because it works for me. And sometimes I have anxious moments like everyone else. But when something is really bringing me down, when I am fearful, have some anxiety, whatever it is, I keep praying and keep turning to God. I won't let it go. I keep asking him. I keep uh, uh, reaching out to him with my heart. God, I'm hurting. This is going on. And I'm honest with him what's going on in my, in my mind. I'm anxious about this. It's silly, but I'm anxious about it. God, help me. Help me deal with it. Sometimes 
It doesn't happen instantly. Sometimes if you're going through your pain, your stuff, it takes a period of months, maybe even years of praying and, and seeking and trusting that somehow through all this, God is going to see you through and give you that peace that you're looking for, and it works. I've been a, I've been a Christian for a good number of years before most of you were even born, and I can tell you it works. The Holy Spirit works, but we have to allow him. We have to give him our vulnerabilities, and sometimes we don't want to do that, and oftentimes pastors don't. Sometimes pastors, we get in this thinking that we're up here. We're not. We're down here with everybody else. We're human beings. So, so that to me is very important. I wanted to share that with you. Hopefully that will help you. There is hope. There is hope. I know you can say that's not like an easy way out. You got to go, go, have to go through all this, these steps and that. But I'm going to tell you something. How many believe that God's a God of miracles? God can perform miracles. He can change you like that. Or it might take a period of time, but he will do it. God will fulfill his promises. Amen and amen. Verse 16. Let the message dwell among you richly as you teach, admonish one another with wisdom through psalms, hymns, songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. Paul affirms the centrality of the Word. We are called to be so, so rooted in the Word that it dwells richly within us in spiritual wisdom. Often believers fail to hear or interpret God's voice. Too many voices, too many things going in their minds. Too many, you know, they're hearing this and they're hearing that. They're just crowded with all these different voices. Or, or they, for selfish reasons, for personal gain gets in the way, or people think they hear from God. They say, I've heard from God, but it runs. It's contrary to the word. Whatever God gives you, this is true. It will never run contrary to his word. If you have something that you, you swear by as contrary to his word, I'd just say, you know what? I don't think so. Because God will never contradict his word. Amen? I think we're cool. I heard a weak amen, but he never contradict his word. So... That's my feeling. Anyway. So that leads me to another way is don't be in a hurry. One of the fruits of this patience, we find the fruits of spirit in what? It's Galatians 5.22, I believe. If you feel God is speaking to you and you really feel that he's really speaking to you, then pause. Don't be in a hurry to respond. Just pause. Rarely are we called to make a big decision right now. Rarely are we. Rarely does God put us in that situation that we have to make a big decision right now. Take time to pray through the nudges God gives you. If you feel God has given you something, then pray about it, pause about it. And pray through these nudges that God gives you. And when necessary, seek 
Seek the counsel of godly friends, of family. A small group is great here for that. Find people that you can turn to, that you can trust, that you know that they're, they're really faithful followers of Jesus Christ. Find those friends. I have those friends because I need them. Because I need balance. We all need balance. And then allow God to speak to you through them. Huh? And let the word confirm your revelation, what God has spoke to you about. I say that time and again. The word's got to be almost hand in hand here. Amen? All right. Well, we had a strong amen there. I tell you, the mistakes I've made, I've made many through the years. My, my, one of my biggest mistakes in the faith, as I've shared this with you before, is to when God is, I felt a, a strong nudge from God, and I wanted it so bad that I ignored my wife. Ouch. We're going to do this. We're going to go to California. Got a church out there, visions of grandiosity. How's it going to be the next Billy Graham or Rick Warren or whatever? Kenneth Copeland, you name it. And Jan paused. I said, no, no, no. No, this is from God. We're going to be doing this. We're going to be doing this. I should have known better. Somebody should have stepped on my mouth because I should have known better. I violated Rule number one, when you're married, is check with your, with your spouse. You know? And I didn't. Now, here's another, here's another, this could be another sermon you can preach on, is the man is supposed to be what? Of the house. Spiritual head of the house. That's what the Bible says. Whoa, you can go in all different directions with that one. You know, that doesn't mean that since I'm, the husband, the Jan is to bow down to me. Yes, master. Yes, master. Anything you say, that's what we do. Quite the contrary. That if we as husbands, if we are to be the spiritual head of the house, then we need to listen to our wives, also listen to, her, to their advice. How many times have I learned, and I, what we do is we have decisions to be made, Jan will say something. Well, this is how I feel God is leading us. We say, let's just pray about it. See where, see where it comes out. And there'll be unbelievable unity. You know what I'm saying? Make any sense to you? You know? Does it? You know? And see, that's something you don't have to say. Well, God, I'm waiting for your voice to tell me that I need confirmation from my wife. You get that through the word of God. That's why getting closer to God, you know what you know what you know what you know. It's working together. I married my granddaughter here a couple weeks ago, or what have you, and it'll come the week of, of her wedding, and I had to bring a devotional. I had nothing. This is Monday of that week. I thought, God, I'm waiting. I have nothing. You know? And so... I was actually, Jason, I was brushing my teeth. 
and God gave it to me. Faith, hope, and love. I was not thinking of that in my own mind. God gave that to me. And then, here's where I went from there. I thought, faith, hope, and love. 1 Corinthians 13. You see, where the, where the word comes in, that kind of gave me confirmation that I was, I was in God's will. Faith, hope, and love. Then God said, I will help you put it together, and which he did. Didn't he? I thought it went pretty good myself, but I didn't want to say anything. But see, that's my whole point. But then it leads us to the, my third point, be a faith builder. I had to take what God had, my nudge, I knew it was confirmed by the word of God. In fact, I even shared it with Jan at that point somewhere between cleaning my mouth out. You see? But then I had to receive it by faith. I had to take it and apply it by faith. Hebrews 11, 1 and 6. Now, faith is, com- is, is, uh, is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Verse 6. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Really, what, what is, what is uh, the writer saying here? Faith is the conviction that God's promises will come to pass. If God says it, it will come to pass. Sincere faith is absolutely essential in pleasing God and hearing his voice. One of the primary reasons I believe why people miss God's voice is their lack of faith is their lack of faith. Oh, I don't know. I don't know if this is really true. I don't know that. You know, God from time to time will give Jan words. And I call them words of exhortation. They're always words of of encouragement. And we've talked about that. That's one of the gifts of the Spirit. He'll give someone, but you know, when God, when the Spirit gives you a gift... Your responsibility is to apply it by faith. That's when it works. Jan would tell you there are times when God has given her two words. And God said, open up your mouth and just speak. And she's reluctant. Even to this day, she'll be reluctant. And she doesn't have a clue what she's saying. That could be scary. We hear it, we don't have a clue. That's because it comes from God for us. The words received in that situation is to equip and encourage the body of Christ. That's its purpose. It's not to build anybody up individually, think you're so great is to encourage the body of Christ. Amen? If you have serious reservations that God speaks today, most likely you will never hear from him, never hear his voice. God speaks 
he speaks. We are to be cautious when he speaks. When we hear his voice, we need to be cautious. When we hear his voice, we need to listen. We need to pause and listen. When we hear his voice, we need to be led by his spirit. That's so key. When we hear his voice, we should pursue his peace. God will give you peace. When you're in his will, will, he will give you peace regardless of the circumstances. You will find his peace. If you're not in his peace, pause. Pause. His voice, when you hear his voice, is it's rooted in the word of God. God's word never lies. God's word, everything that you need in your life is found in the word of God. His voice, his voice is telling you, do not be in a hurry. Wait. Don't be in a hurry. And his voice is driven by faith. That's it. Rudy's thinking, well, all these weeks we've been talking about his voice and comes down to this. God speaks, but will we listen? God speaks, will we respond? God speaks. Will his voice that we hear be driven by faith? To me, that's what keeps me balanced when I hear the voice of God. I do not hear his voice every day. But when I do hear it, I know what I know what I know it comes from him. Now, I'm going to share this with you today. I've heard people looking through the scripture is what he's saying. Is that biblical? Is that biblical? That's good. Exactly. And that is God shared with me today that right now Family Life Church Family Life Church is going through a period where Satan's trying to trying to beat us up. I'm not surprised. Because if we weren't a threat to Satan, he wouldn't even bother with us. That's all he said. I want to say, well, how do you, what are we supposed to do? We know what we're supposed to do. Yeah. There it, confirmation right there. You know, that, now we can take that and we can apply it and believe it, or we can say, oh, gee, well, that was just, just a guess, or maybe he just had some words. It's what, what do we do with it? What do you suppose we're supposed to do with it? Just be aware. We are family life church. We are not a perfect church, but we love Jesus Christ. We love him. That means that Satan said, no, 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 I don't want that. I don't like that. 
that makes me nervous. I don't, I'm, we're, gonna, we're, gonna just gonna, we're gonna mess that up. Satan has messed up a lot of churches, my friends. He's done that. Churches are, are closing probably faster than we can ever imagine all across our land. We're not gonna let him win. Satan is not going to win. You are the remnant. You are the ones that God has called you for this moment, for this time. You are the ones to give him glory and honor. We have some visitors from Texas. I never do this. I'm going to stop right there. But they're just kind of like in process. They're leaving tomorrow to go back home. They come to church. Wow. Shouldn't that inspire all of us? We're in this for the long haul. Jesus is real. And the more we grow in our faith, the more real he will become to us. The more we grow in the faith, the more we recognize his voice. And when we recognize his voice, we can go through a wall. We can. With his power, we can. And this communion reminds us that Jesus is with us. If he's with us, who can be against us? Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, I praise you and thank you, Lord, for who you are and for your love. Oh, God, there's not one of us here that is perfect. There's not one of us here that hasn't experienced the, feel, uh, the, the feeling of failure or been, or been, uh, um, or been hurt by others, whatever. But one thing we know, Lord, and one thing that communion reminds us of, that you will never leave us, nor will you forsake us. For we are yours. You paid for us through your shed blood on that cross. So that as we turn to you in faith, we will be called your true children. Your true children. Thank you, Lord. I can only thank you personally that all the stupid things that I do, all the crazy things, sometimes the thoughts that aren't pleasing to you, but you are so merciful because you shed your blood for me as you shed your blood for all my brothers and sisters here today. We thank you, Lord, and we give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Have you ever really thought about the significance of communion? you ever thought about that first, that, that Thursday, the first Thursday, Monday, Thursday, when Jesus gathered with his disciples? 
And again, they didn't have a clue what was going on. But Jesus knew. Jesus knew that history was in the making. Jesus knew that humanity would never be the same. Jesus knew that he was to bring hope into a dark world. When he gathered with his disciples around that table, and after they, they broke the bread and they ate, Jesus said to them, this is my body broken for you. Eat this in remembering me. They still did not have a clue of what he was talking about. But Jesus knew. Then after they ate after supper, Jesus took the cup and he poured and said, this is my blood shed for you for the forgiveness of sin. Drink this in remembering me, the new covenant in his blood. Oh, gracious Heavenly Father, we praise you and thank you, Lord. And I thank you, Jesus, for your body broken for us. I thank you, Lord, that you took our sins on that cross. upon yourself broken for us and Lord we thank you for your blood shed for us by the pouring out of your blood that you ushered in the new covenant of redemption of salvation of hope of peace of joy of power that in you nothing can prevail against us we thank you Lord my friends let us eat and let us drink What a moment, Lord. Something that happened 2,000 years ago. is still real and alive today. For you are timeless. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you for this table. We thank you for this communion. We thank you, Lord, for your mercy and your grace. We love you. You're the best. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Anyone needs prayer? Our prayer team will be more than happy to pray with you up here in the front. God bless you. Have a great, great 
4th of July, you know, get the burgers going, get the ham, get the, want the hot dogs, whatever, the chicken. I like grilled chicken myself. Put a little bit of that sauce on it. So all that's right. A little bit of homemade potato salad is really good too. Go and serve your king.